Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Stories Around Azeroth. I am always um, Pete, Titan's Creed Nevico, and joined by the Holiday Gnome, one Mr. Frasley. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Back to be back in the saddle, back to be using a mic that's on a boom arm, not one that I'm holding in our car with the car turned on because it was blazing. It was like 90 plus degrees where I was. Plus, you're in a metal box as well, so that surely can't have been helping things. No. And if I had recorded in the the uh, hotel we were at, I would have had all the room noise. Plus, my nephew would have been like, oh, you're on a podcast. Oh, I want to be on. I want to be on. I'm like, no, nephew. It's time for the podcast. This is this is Frasley's time. <laughs> yes, it's my time. My, my time to shine. Cosmic greetings to everybody that's in the chat while we are live over on Twitch recording this. Uh, for the benefit of the YouTube and iTunes and all the other sp uh, podcast feeds, a big cosmic greetings to you as well. And we hope you're enjoying this uh, if you're not catching it live. Today, we have got our normal list of things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what we have been up to this week. Uh, we're going to chat about the war campaign and the Crossroads cinematic, which we didn't do last week because Mr. Frasley hadn't seen them yet. Uh, there's no. some other bits and pieces around the world of Warcraft and Azeroth itself that we're going to talk about as well. Uh, specifically, the Road to World First, with that coming up in a couple of weeks with that opening, plus uh, all the Method versus Red Bull stuff as well. I'm at Heart of Azeroth 56, so there's some extra storyline I get to talk about today. And plus, we might be talking about some more recent dev leaks that have come out on 4chan. Believable or not, there is some stuff in there that uh, pertains to the story of the World of Warcraft and how it goes. So it's nice to have a chat and see what we think. We're not 100% credible, but, you know, it's always fun to speculate, as I do like to do. I hope everybody is good in the chat. So, Mr. Frasley, you obviously have had very limited time in the World of Warcraft in the last week and a bit since we've last chat. But what have you been up to? So I thankfully had a little Wi-Fi, so I was actually pretty impressed. And I got to go into Nashatar, and I was doing what you said, focusing on Nashatar, getting my bodyguards, and my bodyguards about to hit rank three. So I have to do a few more quests, but I'm focusing on dailies whenever I can, working on my rep there. I've got my rep with the wave breakers or wave blades. Yeah, and Cohen's, yeah. Yeah, I've got that up to friendly now, and I'm working my way up to honored. I just had a Darkman Fair buff, and I found out that those expire when you die, so I gotta go back after this <laughs> podcast and <laughs> ride the wheel again. But yeah, working on that. Uh, Braz's eye level is 379, so nowhere near where it should be, but hey. Doesn't matter. Like, You've got all that Benthic gear that's 385 base level. Yeah, and I just gotta get those, those sweet, sweet pearls to upgrade. Absolutely. Is that it? Have you have you had a look at Mechagon yet? Not yet, because I, I decided, as, as you said, I wanted to work a little bit on the war campaign. And if I spread myself out too thin, I'm going to go here and here and here. And I kind of want that war campaign because of the gnome heritage armor. So I'd love to go into Mechagon wearing the armor of my people. <laughs> the armor of your people. Brilliant stuff. So I have been... <clears throat> I've been a very busy, busy bee. Oh, yes, you have. I have been a very busy bee. Um, I actually have Warcraft open at the moment, so I can actually tell you where I'm at rep-wise and everything else. So, as it currently stands, with the Waveblade and Cohen, I am at 4,550 through Revered. My bodyguards, uh, my Farsi is at rank 1, my Hunter's at rank 4, and my Bladesman is at rank 10. 
In terms wow. of in terms of Mechagon, uh, I am seven thousand seven hundred fifty-two through the Rust Bolt Resistance rep through Revered. So yes, I have flying. I've had flying for a few days. My God, life is so much better when you can fly. Um, it literally makes things so much easier. Um, but there is something to be said about everybody being on the floor. I'll be honest. Um, it's very it, it's it's a very different thing, but. Everybody's just trying to get flying because we're so used to it now. It's yeah, it's very weird um, because I and I said the same thing during um, Warlords, during Legion. You know, ever since they put the Pathfinder in as a requirement to fly, you're still just doing ground stuff, and then you're like, oh yeah, I can fly. It's 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 bizarre. It really is. Um, speaking of bizarre, mount equipment. So, if you've all got your striders and bits and pieces, uh, water striders, you've got your free bit of uh, water walking equipment when you logged in last week. So, while if you equip one bit of a mount equipment, it doesn't matter what mount you put it on, all of your mounts on that character are affected by that mount equipment. However, even though the mounts are account wide, the mount equipment is not. So, it's like, okay, every character gets those when you log in because you've got the water strider on your account. <clears throat> but it's like, why not just make the mount equipment like account wide? Yeah, it's bizarre to me. Like it's it's the whole system's there. But then, I've been lobbying for account wide bases since the dawn of time. So, like just you everything. Get me all excited. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like uh, my heart of Azeroth, I hit fifty six this morning, which. It's not bad. It's not. It's not horrible. Um, I am focusing on one character though. So uh, before we were setting up for the call, I spent about an hour in Nashatar and did some rares and got about twenty six pearls. So because it's interesting, because some of the Benthic gear, if there are correct slots for each character to have, and they're apparently, if you can get them with sockets, they sim higher than raid mythic level gear. Oh, I could see that because in that way they're trying to give content. It's not so much that it's it's uh, because the Benthic gear has certain abilities on them the, for Najdita and the raid. And so stuff like the best boots for my Demon Hunter are ones that do increased damage on my critical hits to enemies in Najdita and the Eternal Palace. And that wording is very specific. It's everything in the Eternal Palace as well. So... A lot of people are, like myself, we've got the right items and we're just trying to roll it for the socket. Because it's the socket that pushes it above the the simmed gear for the mythic gear. Because it's just, the mythic gear is just flat stat weights. So, <clears throat> I think this is, I think this could be something that Blizzard is trying. But, it's also worth not upgrading this gear until mythic week to see if Blizzard hits it with a nerf bat. I don't think they will, because... To upgrade a piece of Benthic gear from 485 to 425 is like 220 pearls to work the math out to. Plus, you've got all the pearls as well that's got to spin to the roulette wheel to see if you get A, the correct item, and B, with a socket. So Yeah. And for a raid, or what I understand is you have a lot of work to do, like getting your math. You have a lot of things in between raids. So the time to get these pearls and then it added the RNG for the right item... It was it you that we that we talked about like 
there's too many things, too many ways to get there. There are or were too many ways to get gear that you never knew. I uh, it, I think it was a conversation that you might have had with uh, Acid Tears, Michael, over at the Blue Recruits and that sort of stuff, because uh, I'd mentioned because way back when during one of the last episodes of the Blue Recruits, I think it was either the Genome Project that you're doing. Uh, I mentioned that I started playing again. And uh, Michael had this thing that said, well, if you hit item level 400 without stepping back in a raid, I'm going to be mad. Um, and obviously, I got my characters up to 400 before the new patch came out. And that's just a lot of work. Like, it's very easy to hit the benchmark about 370. And then you've got to put the extra work in to get 390, 400. Um, it's very different to the catch-up mechanics of Wrath. I can tell you that now. Because Wrath was just literally, you could just keep pounding those dungeon runs. Keep pounding it. Even in TBC, you could just keep doing the dungeon runs and get the badges, but you were capped on badges per week. But you always had that end goal in mind. Uh, Catch-up mechanics now, 385 is decent, but then the pearls being able to upgrade? Uh, there's a fair bit to it. I think on the account, let me actually have a look. How many pearls have I done? Because I've not spent as much time in Nazjatar as I probably should have done. I'll be honest with you. Uh, exploration battle for Azeroth. Da, 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 da. 395 mana pearls I've had. Okay, that's, now, that's quite a bit of time put into that. You say that, but I may I've made 26 of those in an hour tonight, just by doing rares. Okay, yes. I mean, for me, the name's playtime's limited, so absolutely. Me, I thought. But I mean, the daily quests will get you about 10, I think. Okay. And then, and then hunt the rares, and you can get like a hunting party. Especially with flying, it's easier to get all those Absolutely. rares. Absolutely, yeah. And then you've got all the different events and the commanders and the summon from the depths and the battle for Nashtatar and everything else that goes on and bits and pieces. Oh, uh, quick side topic, because I actually ran into one of these right after the hotfix. What do you think of the battle for Nashtatar and then the... It really depends on your shard. Um... At the moment, the and I can tell you this because I've been doing a lot of PvP and it's been really enjoyable for 8.2 um, because obviously there's a goal to go for rather than just, oh, I want to hit that next prestige level to get my mount, my appearance, my pet, whatever. Now there's, if I hit so much honor in battlegrounds and everything else, I get an essence, which is good because Blood of the Enemy is really fun to play with. So I think within three four days i got ranked two of blood of the enemy it was the first rank two essence i got uh i'm about fifteen thousand honor away from getting rank three which is fifty thousand honor but it's i because season three starts next week i've been getting all the prep up so today instead of this weekend where last weekend i did lots of battlegrounds this weekend i've done my mythics my mythic plus i've done my weekly mythics and i've done um I did my conquest hunting to get my conquest box for next week so I can get both the Mythic Plus Rank 1 Essence and the 500 Conquest uh, Day um, uh, la, 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 la. Conflict and Strife, which is my second best minor. So I need to work on that. So I've got those ready and prepped for next week and, uh, well, Wednesday on my time, I should say, ready for those essences to drop. So uh, I've been putting more time into prep. As we were talking about, because there, there's a lot to it and getting ready. I'm, I'm pretty much ready for raiding. I'm, I was the first person with flying in the guild. I'm the person with the highest heart of Azeroth in the guild. This sounds really bad. Like for a guy who took six months off of WoW to come back and I've just smashed it in a week and a half. Um, but 
I mean, it just shows you, you're dedicated. Like you said on the Genome Project, you're like my older brother. You're just like, that I look up to, not just because of height. Yes, well, I think you're taller than most of us anyway, even if you are a gnome. <laughs> yes, I, I actually met somebody from, uh, I met the, the husband of somebody in, in our, our guild, and the, and the husband's like, you're taller than I thought would be. <laughs> I think it. I think it's one of those things, isn't it? It's um, because you're so tall in real life, you want to play a smaller character in a video. Oh game. yeah, because it's like playing out what I want to be. I, I know it sounds weird, but I want to be short. I don't like being tall. There's a lot of things that are awful for being tall, and I. I mean, I, that's like top of problems. But it's just like you. You bump your head into things. You can't fit into things. You stand out in a crowd. I just want to be kind of. I want. I want to not be able to go over. Um, fences, stuff like that. I mean, I can just step over a fence. That's good. Um, but yeah, so you think you want to be short, says chat. Um, there's a lot to do. Uh, and a lot of people are forgetting that the only AP you're getting on the on Nashjatar and Mechagon, unless you get lucky with a world quest that spawns, the only AP you actually get is off your daily rares. Mechagon seems to be static at 100 or rare, whereas Nazjatar jumps between anywhere between 35 and 100, which is very weird to me. Now, it's it's Mechagon feels very strange in in reflect of Nazjatar, and I think the reason Mechagon feels fun to be in from day one is because there's anti gravity packs that have been available to you can make them once you get the recipe and then there's also um charging stations which people can put not charging stations armories which the players can fix and they'll give you uh, an anti-grav pack for 20 minutes and you can just fly around the island and it it's it's limited to the island yeah but it feels like you can do so much the rares are on a repeated spawn time of the island's quite compact so you're not exactly getting lost even around nashatar and it just feels it feels like it's a lot more fun to be on you know and even when you finish off uh, your dailies which there is a load more of than there are on Nashta, you know even if you take apart like the rotating dailies that come in from the different characters as well as alternate mechagon as well where you can get some extra dailies there there's it's so much to do there and it feels fun because it doesn't really feel like it's time gated because even with uh, the quest to build the spider mount in Mechagon that I finished today because I've done it you do get a quest every, once every day for it that's felt like it's just flown by because every time I go to Mechagon there's, there's just been fun to do but there's no compulsion to stay there whereas because the main story of Nazjatar revolves around I mean we've I, you pretty much finish it by the time you get the, the 3000 uh, experience over all of your followers um, and that leads into the raid quest and everything else. So that, that's not too horrible. But it because you know that that time gating's there, it feels horrible. But now you, when you finish that and you're like, well, I've got flying. It's just like, I'll just go and do my daily stuff and aim for my rank 3 essences and everything else. So once you get past that, the, the time sink is... The time sink wasn't that bad. But that's coming from someone who's got a fair bit more time to do things. Yeah, and I'd say probably as a casual, I like that there's a lot of stuff that's going to be there because we're pretty much going to, I believe these are going to be our two major zones until the next expansion. I mean, 
8.3, I don't see 8.3 being that big. I think this is our big patch. 8.2.5, 8.3. They're going to be things and they'll be quests. But this is like our, this is our Argus. This is our major stuff to do. If I, anything. I disagree, but that will okay. come, that will come with uh, a topic that comes later on and the progression of the rest of the story. But I get what you're saying. But this, I think this feels already better than Argus in terms of the fact that the questing on Argus was limited to your weekly stuff, like to yeah. where you could progress per it, whereas this has been daily. And that's already felt a lot better compared to weekly stuff because it's, take Suramar as a big example. That was a big, that was a big, do a quest, grind your rep, come back the next week, grind your rep, come back again. And then you yeah you rep gated then as well. And it, it didn't feel nice, if you know what I'm saying. Whereas this has just been felt, there's been no rep gating for it, technically. Um, there's just been XP gating, which has been just daily quest grinding, which is it's not even that bad. Like, with flying, you're probably looking at about 30 to 40 minutes if you don't do the rares in each zone. If you do do the rares, hour, hour and a half, two hours maybe per zone. Which is more than enough. Like, as it stands, my, my routine at the moment is get up. Uh, when I log on to WoW, I do an entire artifact power tour, is what I call it. I call it the I call it the tour, uh, where I go through both Cool Tiras and uh, whichever Warfront zone is up that week, as well, and uh, Zandalar as well. Do all the artifact power dailies. Uh, the world quest because you're getting about 3,000 artifact power a day if you just do those okay which isn't horrible and they're not exactly horrible to get around because you can just unlock all the flight points easily and then i go and do mechagon because it's fun to do and the rares are easy to fly around and then i go do nashta and then if i've got time i do the battlegrounds like all in all i'm probably spending about three to four hours doing that and even on a casual time scale i don't think that's too bad no, especially absolutely not. And then, and then if you don't spend as much, just probably downscale a little bit of that. But yeah, I mean, just do what you want. As I said, the biggest thing to focus on is get Nashatar up, and then you can do Mechagon when you want. Because, like, uh, the war campaign is tied to finishing the Nashatar story. Well, not okay, even, not even you... that. Not even that. It's uh, you. You go to Nashatar. You go to the the heart. You go back to Nashatar. You do some more stuff. And then you get the Mechagon quest and you get the War quest pop up at the same time. So it's 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 not that horrible. You can unlock everything in day one, and I think that's a decent enough segue where we can talk about the War campaign and the story to rescue Bane from yes. the Underhold. Have you done this now, Frasley? I have not done that. So I've only did the cinematic. So I watched the cinematic ahead of time, so I know what's happening with that. But I have not. Well, I've not done the War campaign. So I because right. I. I need to do the quest in Nashatar, and I've just been getting distracted all over Nashatar. Okay, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. It's, it's the thing to do. So, without spoiling anything that happens in there, um, Bane is being held in the Underhold under Orgrimmar. So, basically, where we did the Siege of Orgrimmar, essentially, and fought Garrosh. But not exactly the same room we fought Garrosh, but on the way to there. And Bane is being kept there, and we the Alliance go in with... Jaina and Matthias Shaw and the Horde go in with Thrall and Saurfang. 
just like in the normal Siege of Orgrimmar, we bump into each other. Uh, and they go from there. There is a character that makes an appearance. Um, and actually references the Purge of Dalaran from way back in uh, Mr. Pandaria. So that was a lovely callback. Um, but otherwise, we've got the Crossroads cinematic, which you have seen. Yes. What did you think? I thought it was amazing, and it's kind of where I was hoping it's, it, it, that things have been going. Like, seeing it has confirmed what I'm what I'm hoping, that we have a faction divided and people are going behind the backs of the main leader trying to get what they think going. I mean, it mirrors some of what we're seeing in U.S. politics, and that's all I'll say there. I'm just saying it's cool to see a topic like that being played out in a game. And, yeah. and, and like, it's like that they, and I think it's a fascinating concept in the U.S. And I think, I, I mean, not, not fascinating that it's happening, but still, I think, in the game. So it's cool to see it as the horde. And, it's, and it's like, it really brings out the evil. There's no evil or good faction. They each have things that they struggle with. Uh, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. It's also very reminiscent of Mists and the story there, but it feels like a lot more up and in your face and everything else. Now, if you played Horde during Mr. Pandaria, you obviously saw how Garrosh was very... Um, Garrosh's story was all over the place when they were trying to push him because you had the stuff in uh, Kalimdor, more specifically... Oh my god, what's that zone called? It's, it's days like this, I'm really glad I've got... Um, uh, I've really got WoW open on the other side, on the other map. Stone Talon Mountains. And he had that thing where he came across as a very strong, very, very good um, war leader, war chief. And then we had stuff like the stuff in Pandaria with the bell and everything else where he was very aggressive and um, he, he came across. But they didn't really turn around and go, uh, I'm going to be this dictator and everything else until... We had the Siege of Orgrimmar patch where he just decided to go grab the heart of your Sarge and everything else. So, whereas this feels very in your face and everything else, we can see there's ulterior motives with Blightcaller and the fact that Sylvanas pops up and again to do stuff. Like, she's the one that left on the boat with Ashvane and then Ashvane is suddenly with the Naga. So, it's very... It's one of the benefits for doing this, the war campaign on both factions is that you are actually able to see the story go through. So there's definitely a lot there and it really feels like they, they're replaying that story and just pushing it and dialing it up to 11 and just being going, there are no shades of grey. This is happening. You know, yeah. you, this is happening and it's a thing you have to deal with. So the, the question is, will there be a... Uh, a burning of Tel uh, not Teldrassil, Thunderbluff. But then also the the other questions we're getting is is this going to be the end of the faction war and everything else? Like, have Blizzard finally decided that writing a story for two factions is too difficult with a story that they want to tell with the planet and the void lords because that's where the story is shifting to deal with void lords and everything else that's why they're bumping up the old gods in a big way again so is the story too difficult for 
an alliance and a horde and are they going to do what final fantasy 14 does and have the story just revolve around the player i could see that because kind of makes the fat whatever that action is kind of in the background it's there but the story is you yeah no no i completely agree there are obviously some difficulties um how does pvp work into this like are the factions going to be are the factions still going to be there but then there's no focus on the faction war you know uh like there's no faction conflict per se and then warsong gulch arathi basin are all just going to be we're still fighting for resources this like be what they are they're honorable battles you know what if war mode turned into then free for all that like you could decide somebody's there you decide if you are good or evil and if you if you if, you, if, you, if it's a player out there that that you're not grouped with that you just want to take out that, that that's up to you it doesn't matter if they're horde or alliance and i mean i, I think that would be why i think it would keep the factions i would like be able to to, to group up with with horde and alliance i think twitter facebook discord has changed the whole faction thing i'm not locked anymore to just talking with people of my faction i talk to people all the time of, of the horde faction so really i don't feel that horde versus Lions. absolutely i agree i feel a lot of this changed when we got battle tags in game because yeah. before then it was literally just um your friends and you can only add a friend if they're on the same server but then you had the uh, battle tags which were meant to be cross um cross server friendships and everything else and you find people in lfg and you're able to add them to your friends list and be be like that and everything else um i've never done that myself but i've heard people that have done it but then it's turned into the fact of uh, i can see people in you know, all my friends in other games i can see my friends on cross factions and everything else and i've got all my friends in bits and pieces so it it's a very interesting way that things have come and so, i think the czar lore was an interesting test of giving you the same story for both sides and you play both sides i think i think it was kind of a i could almost see because it turned you horde or alliance they could do some stuff with that i mean there's a lot of issues with that but it the czar lore was definitely very both factions together yeah I mean, they're fighting each other, but this, you, you experience the exact same story. Exactly. And um, the Twitch chat is... Uh, Leo Wild in the Twitch chat is saying he'd be okay with the factual ending. It does feel forced most of the time at this point. And on that, I want to say that's completely the way it is. Look at how they did it in Mists. They specifically made the point of saying when they released the announcement for Mr. Pandaria that they're going to put the war back into Warcraft. What was the big selling point of Battle for Azeroth? It was the, the whole faction. point of the faction war. You know, we're fighting each other. So it does feel forced as it's the big big fight. Yes, sir. But I, I still from the beginning thought that, that this was there because it's supposed to distract us. I, I still... Oh, absolutely. I mean, there were... If we go back to like one of the first episodes we did, we talked about a theory post about how this is all going to be the battle for the planet rather than the battle against each other yeah and, and i think maybe maybe that's why they're doing mist again is they want us to think that we know where it's going so then they can 180 it and be like no because well, the whole this... time along 
I've known it's been for the planet, or at least I felt it's been for the planet. So the way the mist stuff worked is that the raids and that, like while we had specific faction content, so uh, five point one had the uh, the alliance and the horde fighting uh, landing on the shore, and they were fighting for that, and that was the big like conflict that was there. And then we had the story as well, the PVE story that went with that. But the raids in the big content patches was still very well. We're still both fighting the same enemy. Yeah, and wasn't Siege even together? You're you're going in to stop Grush. Exactly. You, you... Yeah. But the thing that they've done this one is that they've given us the option to side with Sylvanas, if as a Horde player, which has been interesting. Um, I think I was watching somebody's reaction video to the new War campaign the other day. Was saying. Yeah, I just ratted everybody out to Sylvanas. Sodom. I just did it. It was interesting to see because he's obviously a Sylvanas loyalist. Yeah, and there are definitely some of those. For me, I've gone Sourfang the whole way when, when I took Into mm. through that mm -hmm. 8.1 option. I was Sourfang. It's interesting because there's got to be a fine point, which means that probably 8.3 or whatever they choose to do before the end, there'll be a thing that turns around and goes yep you know sylvanas knows and all this and uh uh we we we, we know we know about the traitors because they've said that in the current war campaign like the current step of the war campaign is um they they plan for to save bane like sylvanas knows that they're coming and again not to get not to get uh Leo's hope up in chat but i thought the reason why we only saw one allied race in the brewfest what if the Volpira are the neutral faction, or at least they can go out hoarder lot. I'm just thinking it, 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 this signs because we haven't seen anything. It really it depends. Be... As much as I'd like Volpira to be neutral, like Pandaren, it really depends if Alliance are going to get Mechanomes or not, because they have to get a small race to compensate, and that's how they'll play. Yeah, it, because that's how Blizzard have always played it. Because that's and again, what, get... that's why the Horde got goblins back in Cataclysm because. They didn't have a small race. And that's why we got Draenei, and it's why we got Wurgen, because they were tall, char tall characters in form and everything else and to counteract the trolls and the, the Tauren. So Blizzard will probably play it that way, but it's fine. Um, and the Alliance needed a, 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 a um, animal race, like the Tauren. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but they're still human, aren't they? Yeah, that is true. So... I think we can both agree Crossroads is very, very good. It's um, standard for the animation team to really do something this good, as usual, with the different tones and everything else. And just yeah. the different visual storytelling they're doing. And uh, it's, it's just good. It's just good to hear all those familiar voices again coming out of the same room. And because these guys, um, yeah, you know, Laura Bailey and... Uh, Chris Metzen and all these characters that have played the same characters for so long for 15 years now you know it the 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 chat between them feels more personable yeah you know? and that's cool to see that coming through it's it a... is interesting that we're killing off a lot of cities like like if Thunderbuff goes goes down it is interesting I mean that we're getting rid of classic well, cities. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, Under City specifically, there wasn't re it wasn't really undead themed. It's just human in a sewer, you know. So, 
and a lot of people complained it was lost. It was hard to get around, and Darnassus was never a decent city that was well doing or anything else. Maybe they're cutting down on faction cities. Who knows? Uh, I don't think Thunder Bluff is going to go get raised, personally. Um, I think it's there as a threat to say, like, this isn't beyond Sylvanas' reach of doing. So, who knows? You know? Yeah. But, I mean, we're, we're a couple of days away from the Eternal Palace being open. And we are a week away from the Mythic World First race being a thing. Uh, over the last couple of days and bits and pieces, um, we've seen Method come forward. Uh, Sko, specifically, since he is one of the big faces of Method. And turn around and they released a post about uh, how they're not partnering up with Red Bull this year. Uh, well, this, this, not this year this patch for the world first race there i they are now working with someone else bah, 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 bah. they're working with take tv in germany so they'll be over in germany and but they'll have worldwide stream feeds and everything else um whereas the red bull one in london and everything else uh they are going to be working with limit and pieces which is going to be interesting because they'll have feeds especially from pieces who weren't streaming during um crucible of storms so i mean the the biggest thing here is that there's a big bit of beef because method have come out and said even though well i'll talk about that in a minute method have come out and said that red bull wanted to have the crucible of storms stream specifically on the red bull channel but they acquiesced in like the last week before it happened because method wants it to keep it community based and more blizzard based then handing it over to a corporation and letting them do the things but they shared a lot of the ideas saying like like if we can continue this partnership this is where we believe we can take it forward get the other raids to stream so that we can have cut jump protectors and it feels more esporty where they've got the constant like the same sort of race we see at blizzcon yeah so uh there hasn't been a lot of news because normally the news of the race for world first being a red bull came out weeks and weeks and weeks in advance and uh earlier on today We've had the drop of the Red Bull are working with Limit and Pieces. Apparently, some streamers got dropped emails way back at the beginning of June before 8.2 was officially announced, saying, like, this is the date that we'll be doing the world first rate with Limit and Pieces. Can we get you on board to come over and commentate? A lot of those individuals have turned around and said, fuck no, I'm going to be raiding Mythic uh, Eternal Palace that week. I can't, I can't go and spend time away from my raid guild to go and do commentary on this. But um, Method have obviously come forward and been like, we're trying to keep it community-based. Only, com only the community and Blizzard should have rights over to call it a race to world first. Which is very odd coming from Method specifically. While I like the idea behind the intention of the words, Method itself is a corporation. And are the ones that have really pushed the race to world first to be a big streamed thing, this expansion. You know? They're the ones that have come forward and gone like, we've got nothing. I mean, they, they've essentially turned around and uh, gone, we're, we're the big dicks on campus. We've got nothing to lose by streaming this. So, and they've done it. And, you know, they've obviously fell short in Crucible to pieces and everything else. But it, it's interesting to see these words come from Method when Method are itself a corporation these days with how much they are spread around the gaming atmosphere. Yeah, and... My question would be, who started Rich World First? 
Oh, this was a thing back in Classic. Yeah, but I mean, like, like events, like who started it and who who passed the reins down? Because we saw an so issue. With... You're you're looking like this. This transcends Warcraft as a thing, you know, um, because you've always had everything that exists to do the race to world first, whatever. Like in anything that's big enough to be anything like people claim world first speed runs people claim world first completion of games and everything else um but because so like all the way through warcraft's history all the way back at uh, molten core and everything else you always had the the world first to 60 the world first to clear molten core the world first to finish this you know even when wrath came along they brought in the achievements which are server first bits and pieces you know to get there you had your server first achievements but you couldn't really do a world first thing but the world first had been pushed by blizzard when they instigated the hall of fame for raiding this expansion so the, the top 100 guilds from each faction side were noted in there and those plays itself have a specific title you know they're they're going to be documented for all of time Whereas, like, all of their history and stuff is now dated in Chronicles. It's like, oh, the Horde beat Ragnaros, etc., etc., you know? Um, yeah. But Method are the ones that have really turned around and decided to stream it. Like, previously to this, no big guild has really... None of the top ten, top five, top ten guilds have ever streamed World First Progress on Mythic Raiding. It's only been since this expansion Method have gone we don't see any competition we've got nothing to lose by streaming you know and they've had that lead through um uh, my, the name forgets me i'm gonna say all done but it's not that well whatever uh, gahoon i'm gonna say, just say gahoon and you know it was close for desire law but they still won that out and then they lost crucible of storms because pieces have done it but pieces haven't streamed which they're now going to be doing at red bull apparently so the push to really use it as an advertising vehicle has come from method doing it okay. with red okay. bull but red bull have what the way the the tone comes from sco's post that came a couple of days ago is that red bull wanted to monopolize it and monetize it for their own thing method wanted to stay within uh the community because unlike big esports teams where those players get specifically paid by the sponsors and everything else while these big while these big teams like method have sponsors because these guys are streaming every day and playing the game and they're making the money from the sponsors and they're getting out there getting the world first aren't with the sponsor banner they get paid that way under the banner of red bull it's red bull that's making the money and not paying the players that's the way it's coming across but okay. you know these these players from limit and pieces have sponsors anyway so they're gonna get paid by their sponsors so the it feels more method of pissy that they can't get things to work their way from with red bull and everything else but then it, it feels less like it's a community thing and more like it's method versus red bull corporation versus corporation you know yeah so it, it's interesting okay, like the reason i brought that up is we had we just had the uh the troll run and Something happened this year where another group wanted to take over the name of the troll run, but Dravi's been the one since the beginning of the troll run and the no run who's been running this specific thing. So I wanted to make sure that it wasn't Red Bull taking the title, but that it's met 
but that really Method didn't own the title. They just have been doing the Race for World First, and they're upset so it's, that it's been Method organizing the Race for World First, working with the Red Bull at the Gaming Sphere. Okay, they wanted to work with them again for uh, Eternal Palace, but Red Bull has decided to do. I presume they're going to brand it the Red Bull Race to World First, rather than it just be the Race to World First sponsored by Red Bull. Got you know? it. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what this whole situation sounds like. So the consumer is going to win that we're going to get to be able to see Method and we're going to be able to see Limit in Pieces. Yeah. So we're, we're as a consumer, win. we'll win. Absolutely. Watching it on Twitch is probably going to be one of those situations where I have the the whole video just maximized and I don't watch Twitch, the, the Twitch chat. It's going to be probably one of the worst places to read anything because oh, yeah. these uh, the fans of all these big guilds are, are, are very, very tight. It's be like, anytime they make a mistake, it'd be like, Method Raider, boys. And that sort of sarcastic drip and like if you're a method fan they, these method fans are going to be in the red bull chat and they'll be like lol you're not method and limit and pieces ones are going to be there in the method chat doing the same thing but on the flip side method now have streamable competition where they can see where their exact competition limit and pieces are going to be which is what they haven't had previously you know so it, yeah the race for world first has got very very interesting but it's it's interesting for both the good reasons and the bad reasons you know yeah and i i say if this leads to at some point an official thing like the mdi or the arena world cup i mean it'd be it'd be it would be cool if it actually w could at some point become a legitimate thing by blizzard i mean more than more so than what it is it would be cool to have these it be would a... be nice if it was uh, a blizzard specific thing but then the only way i could specifically see blizzard doing a thing would be for them to have access to the streams of a specific player because they can't get half the guys to go out because they're probably if they want the production value get them to have to go all the way over to the u.s and then playing with the rest, say like Sko and all that, they'll get like five players from Method EU to go all the way over there. But they're then using an, an American internet connection to play with the rest of EU, which is obviously a ping. And as a tank as Sko is, that's not going to be a, a viable thing. So they might have to just input no. stream because they're not going to get direct feed that way, you know? The, yeah. the only other way I could possibly see Blizzard doing it is um, they get specific casters they get your preach they get your rich they get um bay you know get fly those guys out but then blizzard being able to do what blizzard do and have the invisible gms in the fight and they can actually spectate the fight as it was which gives it a better thing than what we actually see because normally we only see this perspective of each specific player you know and like yeah from the previous world first we get the input from players that are switched to it debate, debating on the production team now, if it was Blizzard Run, they could switch to whoever's thing they wanted to do. But the problem is, they'd have to speak to whoever's organizing those specific raid guilds to get permission to be able to do that. Because, you know, 
while Limit, Pieces and Method have obviously agreed to have their stuff streamed. You know, what's to say Blizzard go into another up-and-coming guild out of nowhere because these guys have just suddenly shot up the rankings of WoW Progress and Blizzard goes, well, these guys are ahead of these guys in the US, but the US haven't agreed to it and all of a sudden... You know, they've got this open on the other screen because they're trying to watch Method Limit Pieces. And then all of a sudden, it's their raid that's popped up on the stream. It's, I think it's very yeah. difficult. And I think that's why Blizzard haven't really bothered getting into the Race for World first thing. Because there's too many different variables to do deal with. Yeah, whereas like the Arena's MDIs are their own servers. And it's not about yes. who's first. It's showing who's doing good in this instance that Blizzard set up. It would okay. be a very different thing if um they had a race to world first tournament server because to sign on to the tournament server you have to sign a specific agreement to go on there when, with your pvp stuff i believe and that's why they're and the tournament servers are all specific at gear levels and everything else so that's specifically down to the skill of the characters and everything else you know because there's no difference in terms of gear level or whatever but they'd have to do it on a tournament server in order to do that and i think that would be very difficult because they're hosted separately and so imagine the top we'll say 400 uh, sorry 200 guilds yeah so that'll be the first 100 horde and the first 100 alliance but then you know what all it takes is one guild having a good day over on um over on live that's not on this tournament realm that beat a boss before anyone on this tournament realm and all of a sudden because wild well progress can't match that because wild well progress doesn't check the individual tournament servers they check the live armory yeah it's 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 a very different kettle of fish in how to do these things and i think that's specifically why blizzard haven't got involved in anything like this they might do they might see how profitable it's being and especially see Method going up against Red Bull and everything else regarding this. And they might take a step in. But, I don't know. All, the only thing I know about anything sort of Blizzard tournament-wise is uh, any sort of money that they can give away in terms of tournament winnings and bits and pieces like that. So, I don't know. Yeah. And, and all the things you, you said, it would be a nightmare. At least. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. As, as someone that has... Um, done production values on a very minimal budget and on a very long time scale it's it, I just the logistics of thinking about it can just leave nightmare things in my brain just oh yeah worrying about it because there's there's a lot more to worry about than just two people behind a screen you know there's there's lots of different things and bits and pieces and privacy is a very big thing when it comes to especially the americans more so than a lot of other people um it's odd but let's move yeah. on let's move on yeah uh, the, the the road to world first the race to world first is going to be very interesting to watch i do i do suggest if you're going to watch it that you do watch it watch method watch red bull whichever one's got your favorite casters on i think is going to be your best choice in complete honesty um so i want to put down because i've mentioned that i'm at heart of azeroth 56 so the main Heart of Azeroth questline, as you work through it up to 60 at least to get rank 3, you are on the Crucible of Flame. There are specific options, uh, like there are specific quests for the Crucible of Flame to 
get stuff. So we know that the entry level one is where we go to Nelfara's Lair and we get uh, Ebonhorn. And, he, and we help him out and then he comes and joins us in the Heart Forge. So later on about 50... I want to say 54 or... 50, yeah, 50... 54, I want to say. Or 53. 53 is 3%. 54 is when we get um, the next quest, where we go to the Emerald Dream and we help the Green Dragon. So, basically, Kalagos comes to the Heartforge and says, I know you're looking for the Dragon Essences. If you go to the Emerald Dream, you can find the Green Dragons. Like, go over to the Temple of Elune and go find the Daughter of Ysera. And then you do all that. And I don't want to spoil it too much. But essentially we have... Caligos is now sitting in the Heartforge. And at the end of that quest we have the green dragonflight in there as well. So three out of the five dragonflights are there. Wow. And I know that the next part at Heart of Azeroth rank 60 is to do with the red dragonflight. So the only one we're missing is the bronze. And I'm not sure if that's got to do with the rank 4 one at level 70. And this would go back to what you were talking about last episode about the Dragon Essences. Dragon Essences in the heart of Azeroth becoming the next dragon or the demon soul. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's a very lit theory. <laughs> well, you got to remember that the closest thing... The closest thing that in the original story of the, the War of the Ancients was that the reason Neltharion made it the demon soul was because he was being whispered by uh, the old gods because he was closest to the earth. In the, it, It's a little bit of a spoiler, but there is a specific voice line that Ashara mentions that she has pushed the, the King of Diamonds. And that's why we heard the whispers from Ilganoth that he was made a pawn. So he, essentially, Magni has become a pawn that has pushed the heart of Azeroth towards the way it has. And so essentially we have a golden disc that's been collecting the lifeblood of the planet, which is now getting infused with the essences of dragons, which is essentially what the dragon soul was, just without the heart blood without the heart blood of Azeroth. But the heart blood wow. of Azeroth will make up for the lack of power that the dragons are going to be able to imbue. Wow. I I'm just gonna, I'm excited to see where this goes because this is, this is incredibly exciting. So the main, as as we've said before, the main point of the last boss in the raid is that we're going to be using the power of the heart of Azeroth to unlock Nazoth's chains, and we're not actually fighting Ashara herself. We're essentially playing puppets to try and survive, and the only way we survive is to unlock the chains. We don't know the outcome of that raid yet. We don't know if Ashara turns round and um. Ashara turns around and tri tricks, you know, we don't actually get the last lock off. You know, she she does it or Nazoth uncomes them. We actually turn around and get the Rising of the Black Empire. And 8.3 is about Nihilotha and the Rise of the Black Empire. And I don't think we'll know Thursday or Tuesday because the actual... We will find out when somebody kills. Like, there will be... Uh, when Tuesday comes out on the American server, American Oceanic servers, there will be a cutscene at the end of that Ashara raid, like there always is. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about that. There's, there's sometimes a mythic cutscene, and mythic. There's never been, August. there's never been a mythic specific cutscene. There's been a mythic specific part of the encounter, but 
but there's okay. never been a mythic scene. Um, so there'll be a cutscene that will come out Tuesday, which will get un- okay. which will be unlocked because it's gated behind the instance. And the minute somebody clears a normal instance, it'll be up on YouTube. And that at that point, MMO Champion Wowhead will have it, and it'll be up there for everybody to see. So Tuesday we'll probably see the end of that encounter and what happens, uh, which will be interesting to talk about. Yes. Uh, because I'm actually away Thursday until Tuesday morning, so <laughs> I'm hopefully, hopefully going to be able to clear normal on Wednesday. Fingers crossed. Um, that's my goal. That and Mechagon. I've got a lot to do next week. Um, and, and this is the week where I'll, I'm, I'm going to be doing all that, all the stuff that you just did. I'll be doing that all. all. Yeah, as as the chat has pointed out, it's been said we'll know who the final BFA boss will be after. Uh, at the end of the 8.2 raid. So it's going to be a big thing. Um, but I want to talk into uh, something that's crossed our way. Um, there was uh, an art developer at Blizzard, apparently, who went on 4chan and did an AMA. And there's lots of stuff in there for what comes in 9.0 and the ideas around that and everything else. So... Um, this is all speculation. I'm not going to say it's guaranteed because 4chan, Reddit, and everything else, people can just say who they think they're going to be. But there's a couple of interesting ideas in here. Specifically, the fact that Ashar, um, Sylvanas, as we have all thought, has been persuaded by Nazoff. But a lot of the idea is that, and this is where a lot of the Sylvanas Lloyd lists and some of the st- stuff, stuff that we um, saw coming up online at the beginning of the week, is that... Sylvanas is using herself as a scapegoat to get the Alliance and the Horde to work together. That's why that's why she knew the Alliance were going to come and rescue Bane. Because she's using herself as a way to get the factions to work together in a way that Rathian couldn't. So that they can fight the oncoming threat that Nazoth is coming. Hmm. So... The the the, uh, the info that's come from this essentially is that we're gonna get Nazoth as the 8.3. Uh, the big continent is gonna be very that we'll get a new area to go, which is going to be very, which is gonna be Nihilotha, essentially. We're going to go to Nihilotha and fight Nazoth there. Um, there's a lot of stuff on 9.0 which is interesting. It talks about a whole world revamp because. While we defeat Nazoth, the Black Empire is still there. All the old gods are back. And the, it's Return of the Black Empire and everything else. It's They're redoing the entire world with the leveling ramp and everything else. It's going to be very interesting. Um, there's a lot of stuff there. You know, there's apparently going to be the new hero class, which is going to be Gnome and Goblin only, which is going to be a Tinker class. So very much like Demon Hunters were Blood Elf and Night Elf only. So... It could be interesting, you know. I could see it as a tank, a DPS, and a healer. Well, and Talia Savitel did a video a couple of months back about a tinker class. So I mean, I, either this person's a big troll, or they are a developer. I, I still would think that this there are is- there are a few there are a few things in the post which throw me off and make it think that it's not real, like from uh, a fact that it mentions Arthas is coming back. Well, I can imagine they could get the fanboys up in Fura. Um, I don't think they'll bring Arthas back. Arthas is dead. 
Like, unless he yeah. was raised by Bolvar and he's been there somewhere, Arthas is gone. Um, because they're saying that Bol upset. they're saying that Bolvar is part of the reason. Like, Bolvar blatantly lied to our face and was the reason that Sylvanas got put into a war chief position. He was the one that whispered to Zoljin. There's a couple of things in this post which make it seem like it's very full of crap. Um, but there's some interesting stuff in it. Like, I like the idea of the whole world revamp, making the cities that are still surviving more race-specific so that they stand out when, like, the factions come together. Sylvanas, I'm not going to say what the idea of Sylvanas and Nazoth is going to be, uh, but it's very, very interesting. Um, I've given you the link, Frasley, so I'll let you look for it and then peruse as you wish. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's interesting there. Going to Nihilotha has always been a big dream, and it's, it's been leading up to this since Legion and before. So... It'll be interesting to see how it comes. Um, if they give us Nihilotha, I imagine it's going to be Argus-esque and we're not going to be able to fly, which is going to suck a lot of balls. Yeah, that was my thought too. Is is like We feel like we've getting... been given the ability to fly and then it's taken away from us in six months. Yeah, but that that was how it felt in, it was Argus too because we got the Rooken Shore as a zone, as a zone mm -hmm. and all of a sudden... Hey, with the Broken Shore, you can fly there, but you can't fly in Argus. And it would make sense. I, I get it, because it's a broken planet, you know? I get it. Yeah. But if Nihilotha is being raised or we're going underwater, then, you know, to an air pocket. I, I, I want to be able to use my flying mounts. Just do it. You, you've proven with Mechagon that flying can be fun in a small condensed zone. Yeah, and like, even Nestor is... I ran into a, a water wall today. So, I mean, you could do it where you can't go farther. I mean, we have we have walls on zones that you can't fly past a certain point. It'll be interesting to see where it comes. Um, Nihilotha would be a nice goal. Um, it could be like Deep Home. It could be like Deep Home. You're, you're absolutely correct. Deep Home was specifically built like the Storm Peaks with flying in mind. Yeah. So I mean, they I, I can see I, I can just see a that you you can't go up, but you, you can, can only go so far. Yeah, Nihilotha is yeah. self-contained. Yeah. Um, a lot of this 9.0 stuff, remaking the world so it's all updated, redoing a lot of the zones so that they're more size scaled, equal to what they've done with Legion and BFA, sounds really interesting. A good example they use uh, that's in this post is. Eversong Woods and the Ghostlands are one big zone. Wow. So, stuff like that, and then they changed... Basically, what would happen for the level squish is where we're at would get crushed down to 60. Uh, they'd be implementing new tech to decide how you want to play your story from 1 to 60, and all the 9.0 content would be 60 to 70. And then with the new this tech, they could basically decide how you want to push through because the scaling tech's there now. Scaling tech exists. All they need to do is just level squish it down and be like, you can play the entire Burning Crusade story from 1 to 60. But your new tech is going to be the... The new story will be 60 to 70. And they just hired a... They've been hiring more more developers because that's that's one of the sad things about the layoffs was to hire more developers. So, I mean, I was thinking like the resources yeah. to do all this. 
they could have been working on it for a long time. Uh, I mean, the way I've always looked at Warcraft specifically and an MMO is that they build... So, like, they've got the classic team, yeah? They WoW Classic yeah. comes out. They already have a subset of developers working on the expansion on TBC. And they have an idea of where they want that to go. But you've still got your WoW devs that are working on Classic and the patches for that until Burning Crusade is ready. Burning Crusade launches... Every, all the team from the WoW team goes and works on Wrath. And the and the TBC team works on the length of that. And then the minute Wrath comes out, you've got your TBC team that work on the next team. Which is why, if you look at stuff, it's why Cataclysm feels so different in how it plays out compared to Wrath and Mists. And this is a big enough expansion year, the 15th year. I could see them pulling even from... The, the, the current team and other game teams because we have had some teams people pull from other other things I could see saying 9.0 we're going to go all, all, all out big then we're going to then 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 we might move, move off of the projects back onto other projects again so I could see it because mm. wanting something pretty and big just, and massive and they've canned a lot of stuff recently and they've brought people over the only the biggest thing I want is that if they're going to rebuild the world again like they did with cataclysm which is fair enough if if they feel like the only way to kickstart this world again is to rebuild it again then just like they did with cataclysm and they updated the engine update the engine again because at the moment we're working on a uh, what older than 15 year old engine because it's still working on the framework of warcraft 3 um they need to up. They need to just turn around and go, new engine, you know, because we know that they're trying to put everything on the Overwatch engine right now. Um, but it's there has to be something where they turn around and go, the engine that WoW is running on is now too antiquated to do what we need it to do. In order to yeah. go f further, we need uh, a replacement engine for it. Because I've been seeing. I know Final Fantasy XIV might be a bad example, but I've been seeing some of the new zones and Shadowbringers, and they look gorgeous. Yeah, the lighting and everything else, in everything else, it's not it's not a bad example, but you have to take into mind that the look of that game is very different to the stylized look of Warcraft. Remember that yeah. the last time Warcraft tried to look semi-realistic, I want to say, was Wrath, and then Cataclysm yeah. was spread out between all the different colors, but it was definitely more fantasy styled with its colorings there was a lot of purple back in cataclysm a lot of purple but then go to mists mist is very fantasy styled again it's green you got the you got the pan pandaren you've got the um what are the insects called the claxi um, yes you know and we've got the mogu and they're all very fantasy styled you know and it's we got the Legion. It's all sci-fi, essentially. Warlords is very fantasy because it's very orc and demon, you know. And the Valkyr was very humanoid, very, very realistic looking. It was going for that kind of Skyrim typey look, you know, with, with yeah. the stylization of the buildings. And we've seen what fans can do in. Uh, putting it in stuff like Unreal and everything else and they, they use the different lighting effects and everything else. It's nice it, but doesn't fit the world of Warcraft and as Leo while saying, rebuilding the world would also make it easy to fit the idea of the factions ending 
that's part of the idea of a lot of this like wow leak is that it's the whole world gets retooled based on the rise of the black empire so we have yeah. a lot of the incursions it allows it to they're bit there it's coming across that it's very ambitious i imagine that we'll probably see something at blizzcon regarding this it really depends um there's nothing really big that i think they could announce between then and now because i imagine we'll get 8.3 in january mid mid to end january at this point um that would make sense six weeks blizzcon announce diablo 4 announce 9.0 next hearthstone thing what they're doing with heroes overwatch 2 you know, the pve stuff it's going to be a big blizzcon yeah um yeah but this is how they work and then uh between blizzcon and everything else they'll be they'll have stuff on the floor of their of the early alpha in the condensed zone um i think they have to do the expansion announcement at blizzcon because then between 8.3 and 8.35 or whatever they want to do it's it gives them time to get the alpha and the betas done and i think yeah. i think i guarantee you after the success of how they've run the classic beta the beta for 9.0 will be very small very small very condensed it'll happen yeah and and it, it, it again it makes sense 15th year i mean to do something ambitious do something amazing i was, I was trying to think in my head like because we have two different engines running engine versions running on on the client with with classic and this i was i was wondering if we could have another engine like you zone in from one game to another game when you change servers it just changes your client it would be very difficult very interesting um because as it's as it stands classic is going to be running on the current engine tech but with the server information obviously backdated to classic wow so that's already going to be working on that and then we're going to have you know the back end is all going to be the same essentially it's all going to run through the battle.net tech which will work with whatever engine you know that's all a different bit of tech but it'll be interesting to see how it comes by you know um I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks with the raids open. Um, with the final finale of Mechagon as well. It's, it's busy. Mechagon, Eternal Palace, Mythic Eternal Palace and the Race of the World first, which is always a fun time to watch. And No, no doubt we'll talk about some of the stuff we've seen there. Um, Frasley's going to go do his war campaign and do some more Nazjatar. Maybe he'll stick his nose in Mechagon before we talk next. Uh, yes, I... I'm. I'm aiming to get 57, hopefully before I leave on Thursday. Um, that'd be nice. It gives me another three percent stamina. Um, you... but yeah, I don't know. Whatever you guys choose to do in Warcraft, we hope you're having as much fun as we are. 8.2 has definitely rebought some life back into this game. Oh yeah, and I, I, I feel bad. Like my horde and irons are taking a, a nap right now because I'm having just so much more to do in the current content. I'm getting to a point like uh, on my demon hunter because I've obviously switched over from being the monk who's exalted with all the factions. I'm trying to get my demon hunter up to exalted with all the factions because at the moment I'm missing out on paragon boxes. Um, oh, which is 2.5 uh, 2.5k AP every paragon box. 
Nice. Yeah, so uh, I need to finish the questing in those zones. I've done Stormsong Valley. Uh, Stormsong Valley? Yeah, Stormsong Valley. And I'm exalted with that rep up there at the moment. So I need to get the other two done. And I'm slowly working on it. But time with Nazjatar and everything else right now. But yes, Mr. Frasley, if they don't know who you are, where can they find you on the social media? You can find me at FrasleyTastic on Twitter, on Twitch at FrasleyS, and you can find me talking to different people every week at GnomePodcast.com, and of course, every week here with my big brother, Titans Creed. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Titans Creed. You can find my gaming-specific one at Gaming Phoenix. You can find this podcast live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Project Phoenix Productions, where I stream five five to seven days a week depending on what's going on you can find this podcast on youtube at youtube.com slash project phoenix productions uh where you can find that and some other variety of gaming content if anything else goes up on there otherwise you can find this on all the normal good podcast sites as well itunes spotify it's all there thank you very much for watching or listening as we close the book on this chapter of stories around Azeroth and next week we hope to be talking to you about the end of the Eternal Palace until next time ladies and gentlemen and as Mr. Frazzy likes to say be awesome indeed catch you later ladies and gentlemen thank you very much and we'll see you next time <laughs>